Heads up. In part three of the Twilight Saga, John and Sebastian bite into obvious wigs, Shakira, and forced consent as they go to war on Here's Why It's Great. Hello, hello, and welcome to Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and tell you why it's great. I'm John Bring, your host, and I am firmly Team Jacob. And I'm Sebastian Kadlicic, your other host, and I am... Actually, I'm, I can't lie, I'm also Team Jacob. You're Team Jacob. Yeah. Look, we're, we're a couple of Team Jacob bros. <laughs> Jacob bros! Yeah, I was going to go for Team Edward just to, you know, so we could have some conflict and drama in yeah. this podcast, but I just can't do it. I know, well, you know, we love who we love. Yeah. And in the case of Bella... The heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, and what her heart wants is a non-beating vampire heart. Unfortunately, yep, yep. unfortunately for her, she wants to also have a non-beating vampire. Heart yeah, of her. No, that's crazy. Who wants to just? Die? I mean, I guess who doesn't want to live forever and be uh, yeah. perpetually eighteen years old? Hey, eighteen, you're old enough to vote. I guess you'll never really be able to legally drink. Mm, I uh, bet Edward does not get carded. There's no way yeah. she would probably get carded. She would get carded. He'd have. She'd have to. That's what I mean. Is like he'd have to bring some liquor home. Yeah, yeah. I or just get Carlisle to go out. The dad sure, to go out and buy sure. some. I will say, when I was 18, I was a little awkward. Still, I uh, you know had not totally grown up. I was definitely in good shape, so that would have been cool. But I had a, and that's why eighteen is great. Thank you. For that listening. is <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. But no, I just I, I was gonna say I was uh, working at a Sam's Club, uh-huh. which um, everybody should know. But if you don't, it's like Costco for the South. And uh, I was outside. I was the cart guy. This is back before they had these uh, automated machines to help you push the carts inside. And so I worked outside during the summer and got the worst farmer's tan <laughs> in the history of farmer's tan. I'm talking huh, white. Upper arms uh-huh. and like dark, dark, dark tan forearms. Uh-huh. I uh, I definitely almost passed out once from heat exhaustion. That was great because I wore jeans on a hundred plus degree day. It was probably like one fifteen with the heat index. Yikes! Uh, on you know this concrete and yeah. you're pushing stuff and it's physical activity. So I was forced to buy a pair of shorts while I was at work when I almost passed out from heat exhaustion. But anyway, I was just gonna say, had I been turned into a vampire that summer. Yeah, you would have sparkled. I would have sparkled like crazy, but I would not have wanted to be stuck with my farmer's tan. Well, I guess, you know what? I would have turned pale, Yeah. so it probably would have actually evened me out. So, geez, Edward, where were you? Yes, where you were, were you, man, to turn me? Or where was Carlisle? Because I guess he's the turner of vampires. Yeah, he's the one that's strong enough to exsanguinate. But I guess in this movie, there's going to be more. We uh, we both watched the trailer. We didn't know anything about the movie going in. We're, no. we're of course, talking about Twilight Saga colon eclipse in yes. this episode which we'll be tackling in this which episode. is part three of our twilight series <sighs> no no exciting. no 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 exciting. no i'm exciting. excited like it's weird because like you'd think that we'd be getting tired of it i get more excited for each subsequent honestly, uh, episode of the series honestly i do too i actually when we were texting about it this week i was like 
I'm legitimately excited to watch the next one. Weird, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like, there's obviously a lot to, that is left to be desired for this series. And it's not, again, as I keep saying, not made for us. But hell, I mean, there's a lot of greatness in here. And that's what we're here to illuminate is the great stuff. But before we do, yes, I wanted to make an official announcement for all of our listeners out there. We are on Facebook. Yay! So if you're not already following us, which many of you, I think, are, please do follow us. It's a great way to interact with us. It's been really fun so far. We have a couple of listeners. Uh, one, Pamela, actually commented on, on our Twilight episode so far. She said she always hated them. And the he, movies. The Twilight. movies, yes, yeah. yes. And made a drinking game out of them uh, and enjoyed them, I guess, one time when she was on dental drugs. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do anything. I mean, like, my wife, Lindsay, doesn't like these movies, but she one time uh, was also ill of some some way and just too weak to, to pick up the remote control and change the channel, <laughs> and she watched all five movies in one day on, like, a TBS uh, marathon, uh-huh. of which they have many. And I came home that night, and she just gave me a recap of every single one, <laughs> and it was insane. Uh, but Pamela, similarly, uh, I think she's enjoying our podcast and maybe giving a second thought to how these these movies are. Thanks for reaching out, Pam. Thanks for reaching out, Pam. Also, Rashawn, a friend of mine and a friend of the show, he uh, also reached out and seems to be enjoying our uh, podcast at large, but uh, definitely enjoyed a lot of the, uh, the Tom antics from last episode from New Moon. So thanks, Rashawn. Thanks for listening. And finally, one more shout-out to Phil uh, from Los Angeles. He is... Uh, somebody we both know, somebody who's a very smart guy, and he brought up a good point. Uh, he pointed out an article to me, I, which made me realize I have been very hard on Catherine Hardwick, the director of the very first movie. I kind of called her hacky. I said that she wasn't up to the task of the movie. Well, I'm going to backpedal a little bit right now because I read the article and it illuminated some things to me uh, that I didn't know before, such as the fact that just before going into... Uh, production, the producers of the movie, I suppose, Summit Entertainment, came to her and told her to cut $4 million out of an already pretty slim budget for this kind of movie. So that was about 10% of what her full budget was. And she, she said, to, sorry, she just, she said that she had to take out all of the like big set pieces, yep. the special effects, like everything that we felt was lacking from the first movie. In that article, it said that she had to do that because of budgetary reasons. So. Exactly. and Thanks for taking us to task, Phil. So it sort of made me reevaluate Catherine Hardwick. Uh, obviously, she had some struggles, and it's an unfortunate. She brings up a good point, which is beyond her starting off this craze, uh, which obviously would, would, would spawn Divergent, uh, The Hunger Games, uh, other huge franchises. Mm-hmm. Not another woman directed another one of those movies oh i thought she just down the line i thought she just meant twilight she she meant the whole like all the whole uh oeuvre of (laughs) (laughs) of ya franchise yeah exactly and that's really unfortunate because these are usually books written for women by women all directed by men so you know it's an unfair thing it's uh i have i feel like maybe in hindsight i'm not giving her a fair shake uh well i think i didn't give quite a fair shake to um Bella being able to drink before she, uh, because she's perpetually 18 if she right. gets turned into a vampire. Because upon further reflection, uh, getting a fake ID is probably the least of your worries if you've gone through the trouble of becoming a vampire. Yeah. So yeah. it'd be pretty easy. Yeah, I think like uncontrollable bloodlust, probably yeah. near the top. Yeah, definitely yeah. higher than near the top. Fake I think ID. the top, top is probably stank vampire bruff. For sure. 
Like, imagine in the morning how bad that would be. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. Uh, So probably, like, third or fourth on the list. But, like, that's a... She's in an interesting dilemma because if she chooses Edward, she's got that stank vampire breath. If she chooses Jacob, she's got that wolf breath that's, like, a dog breath. Hot dog breath in the morning. Who wants to wake up to either of those possibilities? Man, she just needs to go... You need uh, to just hang. be your own woman, girl. Just go do something. Or you know? just go be with Mike. If you got to be with somebody, be with Mike. Wait, who's Mike? I think Tom? Oh, Tom. <laughs> you know <laughs> if Tom. If you had said Tom, I would have known who you, you were know talking Tom. about. You know Tom. You know Tom. So, uh, yeah, we have... Neither of us have seen, a, like, besides the trailer, any of this film. Yeah. Uh, but based on the trailer, it looks way different than anything else in this franchise. Based on the trailer, which I assume we saw the same trailer, but it, it's possible we saw different trailers. Yes. However, in the trailer that I saw, there were some killer lines. Uh, one was, choose me, or I want you to choose me. I'm looking forward to hearing this line in the context of a movie. Uh-huh. In I'm the assuming trailer, this is a Jacob line. It was a Jacob okay. line. Okay, big surprise. It was a Jacob line, and uh, I'll, I'll reserve any sort of judgment until I see it in the context of the film. Okay. Yes, I think we did see the same thing, unless they probably used that. It's such a good line that such they probably used it in all the marketing material. I bet it was on the poster. Line. Uh, but I'm. it seems to be there's going to be like a war between vampires and werewolves, which, hey, I'm down for. I'm down for. I saw there was more uh, fanning in it right uh, oh, which is good i'm always look, good. looking forward to that yeah um i i, I hope I saw, she and kristen stewart have some scenes because between the last movie and this one they actually shot the runaways kristen stewart played joan jett dakota fanning played sherry curry of the the band the runaways it was a cool movie did you see it i have not seen it oh but wow that's a shame maybe after seeing eclipse i will want to see the runaways even more you want to see those sparks between those two ladies because their chemistry in that movie was quite good i've seen the first few episodes of runaways on hulu oh really based on the comic book yes oh wow neither of them are in that okay, and it has nothing Stewart's to do not the star of that nope 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 she's not do they have the hit song cherry bomb anywhere in it um as far as i can remember no but now i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch those first three episodes ain't that a bitch oh there's so much to watch so much to watch well speaking of watching yes we have something to watch ourselves let's do it man we gotta watch eclipse So we'll be back right after this to tell you why Twilight Saga Eclipse is great. And we're back on Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and tell you why it's great. And guess what, guys? We just watched Twilight Saga Eclipse. And it definitely eclipsed all previous... um, Nope, it was not my favorite one. But what I appreciate is that they made it and a lot of work goes into that a lot you know what what i really appreciate what's really great about this is that it created over fifteen thousand jobs yes in the vancouver uh slash actually i I, i'm assuming they maybe shoot some of this in the pacific northwest obviously some locations uh however i feel like we had a lot of mountaintops that were probably on a soundstage because there's a lot of shirtless Jacob uh, in the snow. And I just yeah. don't think that they would have put this young actor through that. Uh, that he's a werewolf, bro. He's a werewolf. He's I recognize fine. that. I, I know in the storyline. Oh, line, you mean in the actual. I'm it. talking about the real world here. Got it. Uh, I was work- so invested in the movie, I forgot about the real world for a second. In Eclipse, our real world involves a large band of fresh baby vampires and i'm not talking small children i'm talking new vampires <laughs> that would have been awesome uh, <laughs> who are amassing in an army to come after the cullens and to kill bella because she's the one who's the star of this 
movie. Yes. That's all I've been able to come up with so far. Yeah, because she is the lead character. That's why everyone's obsessed with her. Do they get, do you think do they get into, because I know in the last movie, I believe, they're like, oh, our powers don't work on you, except some of them do. But mostly our powers don't work on you. So do you think we'll find out that she's like the chosen one? Oh, um, boy. I, the link between humans Human and, and vampire, like, to bring balance to the force. Or, yeah. or human and vampire and werewolf, like, some sort of, like, yeah. confluence of three. I really sincerely hope not. I hope this doesn't <laughs> devolve into a chosen one story. So the basis of the story is that we pick up right where the last movie left off. Bella's just been asked uh, for her hand in marriage from Edward Cullen, the vampire boyfriend. Uh, she's a little wishy-washy on whether or not she wants to get married. She still has feelings for Jacob, the werewolf kid. Once again, they go to the old killings outside of town. Sure. Unexplained uh, killings. Subplot that they, they've been they've actually done every single movie so far. Uh, but in Seattle, people are going missing. They think it's a, a very, very prolific serial killer. But, uh, but no, it's really a vampire creating a vampire army to come after... Uh, our friend Bella. I love uh, the idea of a very prolific serial killer. Like, yeah. He's just a very prolific serial killer. Yeah, like this guy is out there. You have he's quite doing an output of serial killing. <laughs> he's doing his thing, man. <laughs> he's like the prince of serial killers. <laughs> he's hey the guys, artist formerly known as serial killer. I'm going to kill at least two people every day. Um, that's my best prince impression. It was good. I had to do a double take. I, I know. I know. You thought that I was like, people. whoa. A, you're alive, and B, you're sitting right next You thought to the purple one had turned into a uh, mid-30s uh, chubby white guy. So let's, ju- let's just dig into the movie. Great. We're here to tell you what's great about the movie. I know that so far we've been a little bit, much like Bella is, wishy-washy about marriage. We're being a little wishy-washy about how we feel about this movie. But I do think there are some great things about this movie. Yeah. We're going to list them for you. Here's why Eclipse is great. I think, number one... This did character rehab for Edward Cullen like crazy. Definitely. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'm Team Edward. I'm definitely Team Edward after this movie for the reason you stated in terms of they did a better job of sort of fleshing out that character and just making him something more than a just stock like, oh, this is the hunk that you're supposed to be in love with or whatever. He was just so vapid before, and this time he had at least some layers to him and also Jacob was such a dick in this movie. Yeah, Jacob they the and the at the same point that they did character rehab for Edward, they trashed Jacob. Jacob, yeah. I think he's going through a lot of changes. Obviously he's only sixteen, so he's still probably going through the throes of puberty right now. Add on to that the fact that he's becoming a werewolf and not only any werewolf, but I mean they in this movie they say that he might become the chief. It's thrown around that he possibly will ascend to the highest rank, to the alpha of this pack, even though Sam is the guy who's been the alpha before. And actually, I think I missed that part why he would have been the, the alpha, why Sam would have given up the role. But yeah, I'm not sure. I know he said that he let Sam be the alpha, and I didn't know if that was him like being very full of himself or if he was... I mean, he's, he says he just didn't want it. He didn't even want to be part of a pack. Why would he want to lead a pack? Which I understand, and I'm sure we will see him ascend in the next movie, or possibly how, like five. I think there's still five movies left. <laughs> um, but... I hope so. These are great. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I don't know about you, but I don't know the exact reason of yeah. Like there was a, not a scene. I think of like no, you take it, bro. Yeah, it almost felt like there was like a deleted scene, but they kept the movie very focused on Bella. It's typical to this movie series where they'll cut away to the bad guys for certain scenes, but 
as far as like the Cullens, Jacob and his troop slash pack, and Bella, they mostly stick it with Bella, and we're all through her perspective, which is a little unfortunate because I think that even though she had some development in the last movie and was a much more interesting character in the last movie, I think they totally backstep it now. She yeah. goes back to being just a damsel for most of this movie, and unfortunately, I think that the only thing interesting about her conflict, in- internally at least, is whether or not to get married to Edward, which we still don't yeah. exactly know why. I mean, I know she's young, she hasn't really lived yet, and I think that that's maybe part of it, but... It's still weird. It's a it's, weird setup, because as we, I think, mentioned last time, like she's willing to live her entire life connected to him. That's all she wants, but yet she doesn't want to do the marriage thing, and... She does ask her dad in this one, like, hey, do you think it was worth it? Or would you ever get married again? Do you think there's any value in marriage? If they played a little bit more of the, like, her parents are divorced and that really affected her. And so she's against the idea of marriage itself or something. But they really don't. Mm -hmm. That's the only time that she ever brings it up is in that scene, like, hey, I'm thinking about this, basically. And what are your thoughts on it? It's interesting because I feel like there's a missed opportunity with Bella because the entire movie should have been about her dealing with having to give up her life, give up her friends. At this point, she has no friends other than Jacob. Once she graduates from high school, everybody's gone. There's there's a severe lack of Anna Kendrick in this, severe lack of Tom, severe lack of Rosita from The Walking Dead. There's never enough Tom. A severe lack of face punch. In this, we should have had Face Punch 2, maybe 3 by now. But she, uh, but I feel like it would have been interesting had she been going and kind of doing like a victory lap and kind of saying a bye to all of her friends. Uh, she does do it to her with her mother. They go to Florida for one scene yeah. where she's sitting on the beach with her mom and saying goodbye. Her mother isn't aware that she's saying goodbye to her life as a human, but yeah. we know it. Bella knows it. And she acknowledges that, saying, like, wow, it was really hard to say goodbye to my mother. But by the time they get back to Forks, the plot kicks in, and then nobody gives a shit about the fact that she's having to give up her life uh, uh, anymore. And that's unfortunate because then it becomes just about Edward bugging her to marry her. Yeah. It, it also bummed me out because in terms of just Bella's character, that was another points for Edward because he's the one that was like, why don't you go talk to your mom? This could be the last time you ever get the chance to do that before graduation, which is a euphemism for before you turn into a vampire. Right. So it wasn't her idea. And so I'm like, oh, I like Edward more, but I like her less because she didn't even think about it. She didn't even think like, oh, my mom, I should go say goodbye. Much like she never thinks about her father's feelings. No. She really cares about no one. And I guess she is a teenager, so maybe that's part of it. But the only person she ever cares about is Edward. Yeah. Ever. And it's really Slash Jacob a little bit. Uh, But yeah. Jacob, like she says, I care about you. She says, I love you. She says all this stuff. I, and I'm no fan of Jacob in this movie. He's absolutely horrible, especially since more points for Edward. He has to teach Jacob what consent means. But she does eventually in this movie, I think, at least acknowledge she has some feelings for Jacob. So maybe there's that. But I really hate the way they got there. I really hate that it was through yeah. him forcing her the entire movie to, you just don't realize how much you love me. For Jacob, it's like a war of attrition. He thinks if he keeps up and keeps reminding her, she'll eventually just turn around and fall in love with him. And I think he thought that was the case had Edward not come back into her life in the last movie because he went away. Uh, yeah. There's one point in one, of my, in one of my favorite scenes of the movie and the entire series, Jacob points out that had Edward stayed away for another six months, he thinks he could have won 
Bella over. I think he's wrong. I think that no matter what, once you got that taste of Edward's Cullen, <laughs> Edward's <laughs> Cullen, <laughs> that's not a euphemism. Uh, once you get a taste of that that sweet, sweet Edward, uh-huh. that you're not going to, there's no going back. Like, yeah. she would have pined over, he would have been the one that got away. She would have pined over him the rest of her life. Yeah. So Never I, moved on. Never moved on. Even had she been with Jacob, they would have had kids, was, yeah. they would have had a house, but she would have every few months driven out to the Cullen's house to see if one of them has come back. Yeah. And when they haven't, she would probably, you know, drink some whiskey. She would, like, cut herself. Oh, trying yeah. To, like, with hoping her blood would, like, drink, bring them back. Oh, oh! I thought you just said she would become a cutter to deal with the emotional turmoil, like, to make herself feel something. Oh, yeah. Like, she felt something when she was with Edward. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of it mainly from the, not that this is any better, but I was thinking of it in terms of, like, the blood drawing them back. Right. No, I totally got you now. I totally got you. But to your point of the scene, I, I think that's also one of my favorite scenes in the entire series, legitimately is when they're all in that tent together. Right. This is we're going to jump around. We're going to fly all over the place here, but towards the end of act 2, we get a scene where they're trying to get Bella away from where this impending battle is going to go down between the vampires and the werewolves and this young uh, this young vampire army. And of course, who's going to protect her but Edward and Jacob. Right. They're on the top of a snowy mountain, there's a huge storm that rolls in and Jacob's outside patrolling, but they bring him in because Bella's freezing, and without his body warmth, which we've established is a very high body heat quotient, yeah. uh, without that, Bella would probably freeze to death, and obviously there's nothing Edward can do because he's he's cold. He's a lifeless, bloodless demon. So we get a scene where uh, they come in, and Edward you know, is sort of flexing. The whole time, he's, don't touch my girl, man. Oh, yeah. Like, stay away from my girl, bro. And Edward can read all of Jacob's thoughts. He can probably also see his enormous boner through his khaki shorts. But eventually, Bella does manage to go to sleep. And we get a scene with Edward and Jacob. The only scene where Bella does not factor in at all. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny because that started off as a scene that I thought I was going to hate. It just seemed so silly. The whole, like, she's very cold. Edward can't help her. Hey, bro, I need you to lay down shirtless with my fiance to keep her warm. The whole thing just seemed very silly to me. And I thought I was really going to hate it. And honestly, I don't love the setup of the scene. Yes, but agreed. I do like the that fact that they're weirdly, there's so much to, so weird. There's so much to do about getting her away from things and like, she has to be carried around by Jacob to to avoid her scent, yeah. all the stuff, and then they take her to the top of a mountain. It's very contrived. A lot of this weird. stuff is contrived. And then even getting the three of them into that room together, and it's still the dynamic between the two of them and Bella is just super weird. But I what I liked about this scene was that they finally got to talk to each other, and they've never there's never been any sort of relationship between them that they've established, which I think has been sorely lacking this whole time. It was just like, there's this one guy who's warm and there's this one guy who's cold. One is a vampire. One is a werewolf. They both love Which is the first line of the movie. Uh, I, I think the uh, her opening monologue was, Some say the world will end in fire. Oh, Some yeah. say in ice. From what, what I hold in desire, I hold in my favor fire or some bullshit like that. The poetry. The Yeah, the poetry that begins every single movie is not... Uh, not left out on this installment, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, it's a, it's like I keep Brings saying, it it's a song of ice and fire. So yeah, not a great setup to the scene, but you're totally right that 
we don't get a relationship between Edward and Jacob until this moment, which is kind of sad that a whole series based around these two guys and this love triangle, finally we don't get them together really and truly until almost the end of the third movie. Yeah. But it's a good scene. But it's a good scene. It's yeah. a good scene. I will say, just from a looking at it from, you know, up high, I do think that it's in this scene where you can see that Robert Pattinson is a much better actor than yeah. Taylor Lautner. Because yes, and I, I think agree. really the entire movie kind of shows Taylor Lautner's deficiencies in, as an actor. This is I know it's here's why it's great, but that is one thing that I do have to say is that he's not he's not the best actor in the world. But what he does work as as sweet and uh, supportive, like he is in the last movie, and now he has to play a jerk the entire time, and it just does not look good on him. He doesn't play the jerk well. He plays the sweetness well. And even though it's a moment between Edward and Jacob where they are sort of terse with each other, I do think uh, he toned down the jerkiness a little bit and it helped him, helped his innate sweetness come out a little bit. And I think that worked well for him. So it was his, it was definitely Taylor Lautner slash Jacob's best scene in the movie. It was by far Edward's best scene in the series. Yeah. It's the first time he's not just staring at Bella telling her, you know, monologuing about why he loves her and why he won't, why he's so committed to her and, it, and he'll protect her. It was definitely the first scene in the series where uh, Pattinson got to show his acting chops. I know that's kind of what you were saying, but like, that's definitely, it stood out to me of like, oh yeah, he actually like can like play layers of this scene and they're actually, they're just talking with each other. And that's part of the thing is he's never has more than like a line, you yeah. know, at a time. And it was just really nice to see those two, also character wise oh they care about her as a person you know like there was just a lot more stuff that got built out uh jacob asks him like if she chose me would you fight me would you try and kill me and edward says no i wouldn't if that's what she chose that's what she chose which made me like edward even more yeah that's that made me so much more firmly team edward uh over team jacob in this movie was that small sentiment yeah like that scene was pretty great yeah. Not, it's the best writing in any of the movies so far. Yeah, um, best writing, best best acting, acting. I think even with Taylor's, like clearly he wasn't at the level of Pattinson. No, it still was at least gave him an opportunity to have just a normal scene between two people talking about their feelings right. and stuff, which I really appreciated. It's it's much less melodramatic than the rest of the movies, so yeah. I think that's really in its favor, and I think that makes the movie stand out. Whereas. If I'm being honest, as far as the series goes so far, I do think that this is probably the weakest entry. Perhaps even weaker yeah. than Twilight. At least Twilight, you're learning about what's going on uh, in Forks. You do get to see meet the vampires and learn all new vampire rules. We do have the cool moments of Edward saving Bella. We get the initial development of their relationship. It's not a... It's not... It doesn't all work in that, but I think this movie it has a great sheen to it. The production values are fantastic. The re- directing is solid. By but, David Slade, not David Spade. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, that would have been David, amazing. David Slade, obviously the director of such hits as <laughs> 30 Days of Night and Hard Candy. I liked Hard Candy. Yeah, Hard Candy is really good. 30 Days of Night, actually the directing style reminded me a lot of this uh, similarly, vampires, vampires, but also the sort of muted look to it. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of similarities between that. Is he also the guy that did Bandersnatch? I believe so. Actually, no, the the, the 
Black Mirror Choose Your Own Adventure, which I actually have not done yet. Oh, you haven't done it yet? I have not. Oh. Yeah, I, my brother and I, when my brother was visiting, we ran through it, went through several of the iterations. Oh, so you did... A, how many alternate endings are oh, there? Oh my god, I don't know. I think there's... Oh, as far as actual endings, uh, I guess the answer to any question is I don't know. Um, but we went through, we got to the credits, and then we were able to go back to a certain point in the film and go through again... And sometimes it's really hard to explain unless you do it, but it's yeah. like it takes you to different dead ends that you then can go back. But we got to the credits twice, so so it's like a game. That's cool. It's very, it's yeah, it's in this a way. weird sort of. And like, you win if you get to the credits. I think so. I think that's the official an official ending is if you get all the way to the credits. Oh, okay. If you get to just where it's like, oh, you got to where it's just like a dead end, much like the Choose Your Adventure books, mm-hmm. then it's just like, oh, you read to a dead end. But that's not the ending of the thing. So there's oh. like dead ends and then there's alternate endings depending on what you choose. Huh. It's very complicated and I'm most impressed by just how they were able to do all that. Yeah, that sounds really experimental and cool. Much like Twilight. Yeah, Twilight, very experimental <laughs> storytelling. It's really out there. Uh, but no, uh, it's definitely David Slade and not David Spade who did it. However, has David Spade ever directed? I that got me curious i'm gonna look that up right now honestly i wish that david spade had directed this movie and that he played jacob and chris farley played edward that would have been my ideal twilight movie god and then because then you'd get like tons of shirtless chris farley which is hilarious oh uh speaking of david spade and taylor lautner they're in the ridiculous six together okay don't forget about that so there's that connection they may have met on the set of this movie and then taylor lautner when he was in discussions with adam sandler he was like you know who i think we should get we should get david spade and adam Sandler was like oh i think we should get david spade too he's my friend jibbabwah Yep, I thought you were Prince, and then I thought you were Adam Sandler. I'm, I'm what just, a, I'm a man of a thousand voices. David Spade has not directed, unfortunately. Uh, but what if this was his directorial debut with him, as you said, as Edward, uh, Chris Farley as the uh, Jacob character? Uh, Who would play Bella in this scenario? Jan Hooks, perhaps. Uh, sure. Victoria Jackson. That'd be funny. That funny high-pitched squeaky voice yeah, with Bella. Yeah. yeah that would have been great. And they would have all been like, instead of high school kids, they would have been 30-something. They would have been like college kids, but they still would have been in their 30s playing them. Right, right, right. Man, like, I would love to see that. But yeah. what if, what if, yes. just stay with me. Okay. I'm Taylor here. Lautner, Robert Pattinson, uh-huh. Kristen Stewart uh-huh. are those characters for Twilight, uh-huh. for New Moon, and then for Breaking Dawn's part one and two, but just Eclipse, directed by David Spade, it's him playing right. Edward, Chris Farley. That would be so weird. Yeah. That I'm into that. I want to see that. All right. I want. You know, we talk about alternate universes a lot on uh-huh. this show. I want the alternate universe where a obviously everybody wants the alternate universe where Chris Farley survived. Right. That would be really nice. But I want the alternate universe where this is just the middle installment and nobody says anything about it. It's just, oh, yeah, it's just them for one movie. Yeah. Like, those kids needed a, a year off from from the series. And yeah. so they got, and that's the actors that they chose. Let's, and it was like a, is it a full, like, is it a comedic take on it, you think? No, they play it fully straight. Fully straight. Yeah, yeah. I still think, did Chris Farley ever do any dramatic roles? I don't think he got around to it. I don't it. think so. Because I think, much like John Candy or many other uh, great comic actors, like a Steve Martin, like, I think that he would have been a great dramatic actor i really wish that chris farley again yeah. would have lived 
later in life because he was one of my favorite comedians of all time. Same. But I really wish that he would have gotten to dramatic roles because I think he there is a sadness in there. Oh, for sure. As yeah. with many, many funny comedians. big fellas. Many but, clowns. Yeah. And crying was, on was, the inside. Yeah, for sure. The sad clown. But... Unfortunately, let's start, let's start David Gogo for it. David, <laughs> for what? To bring Chris Farley bring back to Chris life? Farley back to resurrect him, but only for the purpose of having this movie remade with him and David Spade in those okay. roles. Okay. Uh, well, we could definitely use some of that Native American magic. And speaking of, yeah, please, let's talk about some of these backstories that we get in the movie. Which, uh, again. A movie very light on plot. They actually three separate times go to backstories of of our familiar characters. We get the backstories of two of the different Cullens, uh-huh. Shakira, Shakira, who's I believe Rosalie, Rosalie, sure. and she looks like Shakira. Jasper, who Jasper, is, is that AKA the guy who's Tom, sudden, who we thought was Tom? Is that the guy who's suddenly um, from the so, south? Oh yeah, because of his, <laughs> because of his backstory. Uh, him being from Texas, all of a sudden he's speaking with a southern accent the entire movie. Also, the dad, Carlisle, has a weird accent. I think Peter Fascinelli, the actor who played him, that just may be his voice because he's not, like, from somewhere or he's not, like, English doing an American accent. Because I noticed Robert Pattinson's accent came out quite a bit in this yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely. It got a little... But, no, we we do get their backstories. We'll, we'll talk about those in a second. But first, let's start with the backstory of the Native Americans first encountering vampires for the first time. Oh, yeah. And it really is just like a... Uh, it's Jacob's dad telling the story at a campfire with the basically the entire high council of the tribe. And we get to meet a 15-year-old kid named Seth, played by Boo Boo Stewart, who would obviously, as we all know, go on to play the character of Thunderbird. Uh, oh, sorry. No, Warpath. In Wait, the film X Men: Days of Future Past, are the but is that character the same? Like, isn't it the same? Where I don't remember the exact story, but I thought it was like Warpath and Thunderbird. It was like a name change or something. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, the thing was in the only well different X Men, it was not James Proudstar who would go on to be Warpath. But it was John Proudstar, his oh. brother and Vietnam vet, who would be part of that all new, all different team who would go on to save the original X Men team. Oh, my. Okay. So it was John and James. Right. And they were brothers. John lasted all of like three issues. Uh, he was Thunderbird. He got killed by Count Nefaria, who okay. was like a shitty Dracula knockoff character. And it's so weird that like they would kill one of the new X Men like within a couple of issues. Yeah. And of course, it's the Native American guys. So you take and a team all about representation. They take out some of the representation. You couldn't kill Banshee, the Irishman. Uh, Banshee did have a cooler set of powers, but uh, what were? Because I remember mainly, I remember Warpath, and I, I yeah, I I'm I mixed up that uh, when I, I guess when I saw a J name and Proudstar, I just thought it was the same person. You just but. glossed over it. They had they're that rare brother mutant combo that had the same set of powers like okay. they're strong they're fast they're good trackers because they have heightened senses oh sure they got good some, trackers <laughs> they got some tough knives tough knives, tough knives. <laughs> i wouldn't really knives. call that a power per se but what's I, your power uh, i sharpen my knives all the time yeah that's just can, like good knife work buddy that's not like a no power. no no. it's it's mutant power it's no, a mutant no, power no. bro his knives are really sharp are you sure you're mutant, they're buddy? supernaturally sharp <laughs> It's so sharp. But uh, Boo Boo Stewart, a.k.a. Seth in this movie, who's a the youngest werewolf they've seen. He's 15. We the meet youngest him for, like, one to phase. Yeah, the w- youngest one to phase. We see him for like one scene. So I'm assuming he's going to play a bigger role. 
we see him as a human in one scene, let me yeah. say. Because later on, he plays pretty heavily as a werewolf, but... The smallest wolf. The smallest wolf. He's very cute as a wolf. Yeah. He's one of the cuter ones. He's adorable. But Jacob's dad, I guess, is the chief of the group, the elder. There are yeah. definitely people who are older than him, but he's the one running this particular meeting, and he tells the story, the backstory of vampires and werewolves meeting for the first time. They call the vampires the cold ones which is uh, at least a kind of a cool take on what vampires are and their whole deal. And it shows that they met a female vampire and a male vampire. It was exactly the story that we're going through in this movie where they the men turned into werewolves, they killed off the female's mate, and then the female, in a bent on revenge, comes back to the village and basically wipes everybody out. The female which, vampire, yes. Right, which is the story we're telling with Victoria in this movie with her creating this army, creating a man to replace her mate and for him to go on and in a way to trick the Cullens, making him create this army. It also foreshadows like a sacrifice, like the chief's wife. The chief was about to get killed by the yeah. vampire and the that's chief's wife. That's actually my favorite. To, that's, that's one of my favorite moments. Actually. Yeah, but to save, to save the chief, she stabs herself so that the blood distracts the vampire so the chief has a moment to run after the vampire and kill her. But unfortunately, she did not survive. The wife didn't survive. Because she stabbed she, herself right in the gut. In the for gut some for some reason. reason. It's like, Bella had it right. Bella later cuts herself on the arm to distract the vampires. I'm like, why didn't you do that, lady? Because she learned from this story. Maybe. That you should just cut. Oh, and she is starting to be a cutter. Now, that's the first time she cuts oh, her arm. Oh, man. Yeah. But I really genuinely liked that moment in the flashback and the sort of telling of this old uh, the origin of the vampires and the werewolves yeah. uh, problems with each other. Not the part where she stabs herself in the guts, but like mm-hmm. right before that, where he is running and he's got like a blanket over his oh, shoulders. Right. And so the camera is like behind him looking over his shoulder as he runs with this blanket as a man. And then the blanket starts to drop and he becomes a wolf and the blanket drops right yes. off of him. So I don't know if that makes sense in the way I explained it, but he's a man running with a blanket over his shoulders and then suddenly... the like, blank, He sheds the blanket as he like leaps off the ground and transforms into a werewolf yeah. mid-stride. It was really it's, cool. It's really cool. And I think that's one of my favorite... Actually, all the flashbacks are shot very well. Yeah. And there's some of my favorite moments of the movie, which is sad to say because they're all ancillary characters. Or <laughs> in the case of the, the tribe characters, we don't even know that have no real yeah. relevance to the current plot. But it's just well, it's this neat is a, to see. And it's also was cool to see uh these natives you know back in the day and they're back when it was still their territory and like hunting living their lives and seeing them still but they still transformed into werewolves and it was neat that the father i mean there's all sorts of shape-shifting legends in native american lore like uh skinwalkers i believe they're called uh-huh. uh stuff like that so it's neat to incorporate that into more into the werewolf myth uh, again i think that's one thing that these movies do well is add to the werewolf mythos I, I mentioned that in the last movie, but I think it just continues in this one. Tying it to Native American legends and lore is really neat to yeah. me. And the scene itself was really cool. And they did hammer home that he was the last one. He was the last one who was able to like phase. I can't remember what they call them. There's a specific... Right, they... It's not like the chosen whatever, but it, there's like a specific group of them. Yeah, and um, they didn't call them werewolves like they call themselves now. Yeah, but it was it was, it was another term for it. But, but he was the last, the very last of them in that tribe or in that area, um, and that was just cool too. Like just hammering home that like they're not all that way. There's special ones that are that have this power or whatever. But it does seem like the their numbers are growing rapidly. 
in yeah. this series of movies. It's true. Because they went from four kids, and now they're like up to eight or nine, something like yeah. that. And a, uh, there's a woman now that can do it. Oh, well, I guess they start talking about so many vampires, right? Like, isn't that I, what, like, I guess so, yeah. Or something? Well, yes, when they come into their territory, that's what initially sparks the gene that transforms them for the first time, and then they join the pack. So I guess it is the uh, rise of vampirism in the area. Seattle's, I guess, not so far away from Forks yeah. that it wouldn't affect them in some way here. But it's a cool addition. Uh, we also get uh, Rosalie. Rosalie? Rosalie? Shakira? Shakira. We'll call her Shakira because... I can't pronounce anything, Hips as we lie. know from this show. Uh, Shakira, we get her backstory, which really didn't add much to the overall of the story or plot and really didn't enlighten us too much on anything. But it did give her finally some kind of character yeah. because she didn't have any. Really, none of the Cullens had any other than slightly Edward did. Alice is at least just sweet. She gets the most scenes out of everybody, yeah. the most dialogue. So we feel like we know her a little bit better. But Rosalie is the angry one, yeah. and we finally get to see why she's so angry. Yeah, it really just, I guess, explains why she's so angry. And, you know, plot-wise, it shows that there's one vampire who regrets being a vampire and doesn't want Bella to... Since Bella has a choice, and Shakira did not have a choice, she's a little upset yeah. that Bella's choosing to become a vampire because she wishes that she could... It's an interesting thing, too, because I, I, she wishes that she had the ideal life of getting married and having kids and having that picket fence or whatever. But then she also says that the guy that she was with was actually a horrible person. Yeah. And it resulted in all sorts of horrible things. Yeah. So. The the changing of the vampire myth where they can go out into sunlight, where it doesn't kill them, where they also can live off of the blood of animals, really kind of puts a, a damper on her existential crisis, I yeah. think. Because they the, still get to live a life. Sure, they have to be in high school for forever. But look, that that woman could certainly pass for older than high school. Yeah. Like, if I saw her at high school, I'd be like, why is this 40-year-old woman here? <laughs> what is she doing? Is she the new teacher? But, I'd be like, how did they book Shakira? <laughs> <laughs> to come to our high school, is she going to perform at prom? But no, I think they could go have that life. They could yeah. find a place similar to Forks. They could go to Alaska and live at least half the year or longer exactly. in, in perpetual darkness or overcastness. Like They could have that life. Maybe not in sunny Florida or in Hawaii or something, but... They honestly probably could even in Hawaii. Just get your stuff, like Amazon, your groceries. You don't need groceries. You don't yeah. even need any of that stuff. You need to Amazon your animals in that you can eat. I that's guess it. Yeah, I suppose so. So I, I don't. I, so I, I, so I, that's what makes me wonder why like she is so torn up about being a vampire. But it's the same thing for all of them because his whole thing of like, I'm a monster, I'm a monster. We talked about this before. It's like it really takes the teeth out of that. It's like, I'm a monster. I turn into a sparkly man. That's very and different. Sure. And yeah, they've killed people. Like, it shows her doing some pretty gnarly stuff because she, much like Victoria, everything backs up this whole Victoria story because, honestly, right. they don't build up Victoria all that well in the movie with her own scenes. You but mean the girl from Brave that's running through the forest? <laughs> Merida, who's, yeah, making a special appearance from her Pixar film. But they, uh, it's to, again, further reinforce the revenge themes of the movie. But it's her story where, yeah, she's betrayed by the man she loves, they basically rape her and beat her all, nearly to death and leave her on the street. That's when Carlisle comes around. And then what follows is her quest for revenge. She murders all of them. All these guys. There's probably a group of about seven dudes that kill yeah. her. And not to mention some just hapless cops that were protecting this guy for some reason. He had three police buddies who were there. Yeah. Uh, who they were, were probably all, bad dudes anyway. Yeah, they were probably on the take. 
yeah. as they say. And anyway, she killed all of them. And we saw from her eyes in that back and the flashback segment that they were red. So she was definitely drinking human blood. I do wonder what Carlisle was doing when he was collecting all these strays throughout time, especially when he's turning them because he turned Edward, he turned Rosalie. It's like, was Rosalie supposed to be a mate of his? Why does when does he make the choice? Well, one, they've got to be attractive. Obviously, <laughs> they've got to be uh, models the for the Gap. Yeah, and then <laughs> uh, or Abercrombie and Fitch yeah, or any of those. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for but, Baby Gap. Because I'm wondering, like, we maybe we'll find out. But his wife Esme, we don't know how long they've been together. So it was like Rosalie, like I'm trying to find a mate. It didn't work out between them, but they still stuck together. Obviously, she's drinking human blood based on the red eyes. Yeah. So. They hadn't turned to their vegetarian lifestyle yet. So what was the what was the what was your game, Carlisle? Intriguing, intriguing. I really want to know because we. I thought that this was going to be the thing of this movie where we get backstories on all of the Cullens. Yeah. Because it did seem like for a while we got the backstory on the feud between the vampires and werewolves pretty early. Uh, soon after that, we got Rosalie's backstory. Soon after that, we got Jasper's backstory. Yeah. And Y'all. I and there was a point where Alice showed up to talk to. Bella's dad to convince him to let Bella come over and I was like oh we're about to get Alice's story we never did but I'd be very curious to see how Alice became a vampire I would love to see Alice as a vicious monster I mean we've seen it in the first movie where she tears James apart like it's nothing but she's kind of a Drusilla-ish character I'd like to see her before I'm most interested in Carlisle and his wife's backstory yeah i would really like to see brought up that other stuff yeah i would really like to see carlisle i'm not super i don't love that actor but he is playing it i mean everybody plays it sort of aloof in these movies but he's playing it like aloof and distant enough to where it makes me lean in a little bit when i'm when i do get a little taste of something that he's done which is which is great about this movie it makes you really lean in and wonder what is up with these vampires he's like a cypher Oh, boy. We go into my cypher thing, eh? Oh, you're throwing my shit back at me. Well, all the characters in these movies, with the exception of maybe Jacob, are all cyphers because there's not a lot going on. Bella the definitely is. The movie is a cypher. De- yeah. Bella definitely is. She fills that role uh, quite splendidly. You know what's interesting? I mean, you brought up the turning. And in the very beginning, there was a moment that I really liked. We were both kind of like joking, like, who is this guy? Because there's some new guy that's is set up to be the villain, but we're sort of like, why are we spending time with this guy? Who cares about this guy? Where did this guy come from? But I will say, when he got bit in the very beginning, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Because the, the shadow comes out of nowhere, and it's moving so fast he can't really see it. He's getting thrown around. He's trying to run away, and it keeps tossing him around. But there's this cool moment where it actually does... It looks like it like maybe scratches him or something, and he falls to the ground. And then it shows his wrist, and there's a bite mark on his wrist. And I just thought that was a really cool like, Not too reveal. dissimilar from Bella's bite mark that plays yeah. pretty heavily. Because yeah. she gets a couple of charms on a wrist. Uh, uh, what are those called? A bracelet. A bracelet. <laughs> like a wrist necklace? Wrist necklace. Like you know a, what I'm talking about. Like a wrist belt. But what were we saying? Oh, yeah, you were saying that it was pretty cool. Yeah. And also... Not exactly like a terrifying scene because I think the the best part about horrors is when you build up to a scare. This was the very first scene of the movie was this guy getting turned. Yeah. Riley, I believe his name was. 
Tom, I think. Was his <laughs> oh, Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this guy... It was like a teaser for a TV show is what it reminded me of. Yeah, very much so. It was the the Supernatural kill of the week. As everybody should know by now, I worked on the show Supernatural for forever. So they've now recently hit 300 episodes. So Congrats. they've done it roughly 300 times. but <laughs> And it's not much different than that. And this was actually the scene that reminded me the most of 30 Days of Night. Just the way it played out. The yeah. way it was lit and shot. Just really made me think of really conjured up memories of a movie I've only seen maybe once. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is definitely that same guy. But he does get bitten. I was expecting him. I even said to you while we were watching, I was like, oh, this guy is, this isn't going to end well for this guy. He's going to be dead as hell. But obviously. Or undead. That's the kind of material that usually you're supposed to wait for the podcast. You know, (laughs) those kind of zingas. All my best stuff happened while we were watching the movie. (laughs) Aw, that's not true. We're living it right now, baby. But. He got bit. He was the first to be turned by Victoria. Uh, however, there is a scene about halfway through the movie where the Volturi, represented this time by Dakota Fanning, buff Benedict Cumberbatch, an extra rando dude, and a chubby Justin Bieber. Yeah, definitely Justin Bieber. Who the Justin Bieber I know was not in the last movie. I did not recognize him at all. I did not recognize him. His Bieber hair is definitely prominent throughout this yeah. movie, though. And he's got very chubby cheeks. Does he? I don't remember. Yeah. But they're there, they're watching, and I thought for the longest time that they were behind it. Right. Because they have a whole scene where they're watching all the vampires, like, oh, look at what's going on. Everything's... Right. They made it sound like everything's going to plan. Right. But maybe it's it was not a, their plan, apparently. Well, maybe, maybe it served as, A, a misdirect, or that they are... They knew it was happening, and they were just like, fine, let's let them wipe everybody out. So they weren't necessarily the masterminds. Right. Because they like, also, for some reason, want... Bella dead. I don't understand that. When they know that the that the Cullens are going to die, why would you sacrifice a long-standing vampire family? Also, I don't understand. I know that the idea is that if you let these newborn vampires just run rampant, they're going to just suck blood of everybody and it's going to reveal the existence of vampires. So you have to train them. You have to keep them uh-huh. on lockdown for a few months until they their thirst subsides and they're able to control themselves. But I j- I'm surprised that in a world where at the end of the movie, the Cullens, with the help of the werewolves, have killed like 15, 20 vampires. I'm surprised there's no repercussions for that. I'm surprised there's not any punishment for them killing their own kind. Hmm. I'm surprised. That, and the Volturi seem like, oh, well, we have to clean up this mess was sort of the feeling at of the their end. showing up at the very end when yeah. they show up like, oh, good, you cleaned up the mess already. And they even have to kill one last vampire that the Cullens decided to to give mercy to the Volturi end up killing. And my question is why? Like it's another vampire. Obviously Carlisle is quite adept at turning young vampires and making them into respectable citizens that go to high school over and over again, that have their own lives that are vegetarians that don't hurt anybody that in fact help people. So I'm wondering why do they not trust Carlisle to take one more vampire under their wing? Well, I think they wanted to kill it. A, it wasn't Carlisle's decision to make, so they're exerting their power. But maybe they also just don't want her to reveal anything that might help them in the future or that might implicate the Volturi. There's a lot going on, man. That's some uh, palace intrigue. There's, there's maybe this is the sure. most complicated film I've ever seen. Oh, quite possibly. Well, we don't. Unfortunately, we don't get uh, Michael Sheen chewing up scenery in this one. Yeah, we get uh, Dakota Fanning very much underplaying. She's so small. and I mean, she's a small person. But besides that, she's playing it so small throughout uh-huh. this movie that I normally would appreciate that. Uh-huh. But I kind of want... They're the Volturi. Like, just that name alone makes you want them to play it 
to the nines. You kind so of I do kind of wish she would play it bigger, but I guess probably once she's in the scene with Michael Sheen again, they'll probably play off each other really well. That's what I was going to say. Is I think she might work better when there's somebody else next to her who is playing it big. Because I liked her a lot, and I really appreciated her playing it small in the last movie. But I think you're right. Since she was the leader in this one, it was a little odd that she was still playing it so small. She needs somebody to play off of who's bigger than she is, who's yeah. acting bigger than she yeah. is. There was something else I forgot about the Shakira moment where she's talking about her past. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that we discussed, and Lindsay was also watching the, the movie with us at that time. And we all were talking about how great that scene would have been had they cut it instead of yes. letting it play out completely. This is definitely a moment where I I could just feel a studio note because once we get back from the flashback of Shakira, yes, we we're back on the balcony with uh, Bella and Shakira, Shakira, and she said they're talking about marriage and they're talking about devotion. And Bella says, "There's nothing I will ever want more than Edward." And then Shakira says, "Once you're turned, there will be dot 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 blood." Yeah, and have they just cut off at like once? You're turned. There will be something you want more, and it's we all fucking know what it is. Yeah, but it, it it's it, like if Yoda in Empire he, when he, when Luke's like I'm not I'm not afraid, and and Yoda's like you will be afraid of other things in the future when we get into more training. It's like or no, we get it. Like you will be, you will be afraid of going into that cave and seeing a reflection of yourself and Darth Vader. You will. And he's like, oh, man, that's weirdly specific, Yoda. And he's like, yeah, totally, man. He's like, what's in there? Blood. He's like, only what you take with you. And also, all of this stuff from your past that's going to come bubbling up, and it's going to be your face and Darth Vader's mask. And it's like, oh. and then Luke would have been like, well, shit, I'm not going to go in there. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I also blood. freaked. <laughs> yes, also blood is in there. I freaked out when Darth Vader came in there. I was like, how the hell did he get there so fast? How did he find Luke? Yeah. And I was very confused when the because I was probably like four or five when I first saw it. That when blew the my face, mind. When the that face was, came off and it was Luke's face, it freaked me out. I didn't totally get it. I didn't know. get it either. I was just like, "What's happening?" Yeah, it it stuck with me because I was like, "Is Darth Vader like wearing a Luke mask under there or something like that?" It really weirded me out. Um, and still, the image of the the severed head on the ground with Luke's face still sticks with me as something yeah. that just like one of those it's very child brain fear inducing moments that just I can't ever shake. Yeah. Speaking of severed heads, there were a lot of severed heads in this there movie. There sure were, man. We and, had we once again end the movie on a giant vampire battle as and, is their way. In the previous we were talking about this during the movie, but like in the previous movies, they made such a big deal you had to rip the head off, you had to rip all the limbs off, and then you had to set the vampire on fire. And that's yes. like the only way to completely destroy kill a vampire i also don't remember them turning to diamond when they would get punched or the heads would rip off or anything like that and in this movie anytime somebody gets scratched or punched or anything they like shatter they become diamondy and they rip heads off and then walk away they don't set everybody on fire they don't rip every limb off of everybody well they do eventually but in the big battle scene yes there's a lot of severed limbs there's like it'll be fine for now i guess but everything is i thought it was like porcelain when they first started happening because i feel like it happened pretty early on early in the movie yeah yeah and i was like what the hell was that because otherwise like when they tear james apart in the beginning i feel like it's like dust almost 
Uh, it's definitely not in blood. the first movie. Yeah, in the very first yeah, movie, yeah. when they're tearing him up in the in while they're trying to keep Bella alive and suck all the venom out or whatever. Yeah, uh, I feel like it was dust. And I think in the second one, I don't know if we actually see a vampire get killed in the second one. Maybe we do, but it's, they always cut away from it so we don't see it. Maybe. So yes, this them turning into porcelain or them turning into diamond or whatever. We only see at the very end where Riley Tom uh, gets his <laughs> hand bitten off by the werewolf. That it is like legit diamond yeah when it comes off it's pretty cool looking but also i don't know makes also, me think like are they all made of diamonds now and that's why they sparkle i don't understand it makes me more confused than anything i was very confused and it, it pulled me out of it because they'd never really shown it or talked about it before so i was like where does all the blood go like is yeah. the blood just rolling around in their diamond self are they and like there was ice man like what zero is zero blood in in this and even at one point emmett the big lunky one of the Cullens headbutt somebody, and I could have sworn right afterwards his skin on his forehead was cracked. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. I thought that happened I thought too. it was cool. Was like, then we oh, cut, cool. We cut back to him like a minute or two later, and it's fine. So I don't know if they just heal over time. I don't know how that works, but uh, they definitely tear a lot of heads off. A lot of people are crushed and turn into diamond or whatever. Uh, it's an interesting thing to add to it. I, I feel like it's another maybe way of sort of lessening the violence to keep a PG-13 rating or maybe, maybe even a PG rating. I'm not I'm not entirely sh- I would assume this is actually a PG movie. There's no blood. Uh there is violence but it's kind of mild-ish. There's violence. There's a lot of talk about sex. There's a lot of talk about sex but obviously there's no actual sex. Yeah. That's another thing is I think that uh Stephanie Myers um, Meyer, it's singular. Meyer. Forks is plural. No, no I was, Stephanie Meyer is singular. I was using it as a possessive. Oh, sorry. I just could, I always forget if it's Meyer or Moyer, but it's Meyer. Uh, You're thinking of Stephen Moyer from that's probably the, true from the show True Blood. That's probably true. That's also a vampire show. So y- yeah, I know. That's exactly. that's why that's why I brought it up. But yeah, Meyer's religious background I think comes out a lot. Oh, for um, sure. So she's Mormon, and she has said that. She did not intentionally put uh, her religious views into the books, but that she's sure, since that is her background, that they seeped in, whether she wanted to or not. And I think we've talked in previous podcasts about just that sort of wrestling with purity and sexual desire and all that stuff. That was at the forefront of this entire movie, both dealing with marriage. Like, you can't... The whole negotiation, too, of virginity, marriage, and vampirism is so interesting in this movie the fact that it is all a negotiation of like i've got conditions you can become a vampire if you marry me well i'll marry you if you have sex with me and then i'll become a vampire after we get married like the whole thing is so bizarre to me and honestly i saw the sort of like people in different ways deal with their own sort of sexual urges and I should do this. I shouldn't do this, especially at that age and depending on what you've been taught. But that this became a full out negotiation of she wants to become a vampire. He wants to get married. He doesn't want her to become a vampire, but he wants her to marry him. That's the only way he'll turn her into a vampire. But the only way she'll marry him is if he has sex with her and then he ends up not having sex with her. And she's like, well, fine, I'll marry you anyway. My God. Yeah, this is making my brain hurt. However, I will say this about all of that. Yes. And I, maybe this isn't totally tied with that, because I do agree that it is something that I noticed very early on that this is, I think I mentioned in the first episode, like a very chaste uh-huh. relationship. Like, this is and very... also a very unhealthy very, relationship. Oh, super unhealthy. Like, that completely aside, I'm talking purely 
physical. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. they kiss. There's a little light touching. There's not yeah. even like heavy petting or anything. Yeah. This is just yep. very much like a sixth grade <laughs> relationship. <heavy> <laughs> Yes. There's no dry humping or anything like that yes. that we see, and I don't think it's I don't think it's there. Yeah, I think it's mostly about the emotion behind totally this thing totally that's going on between them. So I, I I've obviously mentioned it before, and I'm glad that they finally started to address that sex is something that exists yeah. in this world. Like I don't even know if Jacob wants to have sex with her. I think he wants her as an object. I think he wants her as something beyond being sexual uh which is i guess nice that a boy a six-year-old boy just doesn't want to get it on yeah i don't know i don't, I don't know what jacob's deal is anymore yeah i would say maybe in the beginning I he was definitely in it, the second movie it felt more pure yeah. i think this one it feels so possessive and so like i must conquer this girl i must yeah, own this it's girl. so animalistic like he pissed on her and, and it, marked his territory which again goes yeah, back I mean, to the whole thing. So he's I mean, wolf, so. it makes sense, and I feel like that may have been a purposeful thing for his character. I don't like it, but yeah, the more wolfy he becomes, the more entrenched in that he becomes, uh, the more you know shitty he gets. But that's just what it is. Basic animal instinct. Yeah. But the one thing I did like about them finally bringing up the sex is it finally gave Edward a moment to add some dimension to his character and explain. Here's why I am not trying to bone down with you. Here's why I want to get married. I'm traditional. I come from a different time. Mm-hmm. We would have we would have courted each other. Or I would have courted you. We would have had chaperoned walks through the park. We would have sipped tea on a porch. And it was like, oh, wow. Because you forget the entire time that Edward, because he acts and looks so modern, you forget that he's from another time. Yeah. Speaking of Stephen Moyer from True Blood, that guy always felt like he was older than he was. That yeah. guy never... He always felt like he was somebody from the Old South. Yes. Like, you always felt that in everything he did. Robert Pattinson is a very modern man. 100%. And feels that way throughout the movie. So, it was cool to me and added dimension to his character to see that he is from a different time and to hear a little bit about that different time. Uh, I actually do appreciate the restraint since there are so many visual flashbacks in the movie uh-huh. that they didn't cut back to Edward in his old life. Like, showing him courting another woman. and Oh, sure. But I did like that he brought that up. And it made me wonder, again, making me lean in. Oh, yeah. Is, you know, yeah. the fact that lean Edward good, yeah. won't have sex with her. Uh-huh. And now this has turned into ASMR. So welcome to our ASMR hour with John and Sebastian. Edward won't have sex with her because he's afraid he might hurt her. Oh. Which makes me think, who's he hurt before? Oh, shit. I really wish we could go back in time and see a flashback of Edward boning down real hard with a human woman and just watching her die or be maimed by his powerful vampire cock and balls. Yikes. Sorry, Mom. I know you listen to the show. Okay. <laughs> Thus ends our ASMR hour. Come back next week for probably more of that weirdness. Uh, but no, it, it did make me wonder about what... That has Edward experienced before. Yeah. Uh, so 
that's sort of what's great about this movie is like I know it shouldn't be like oh this movie left me wondering a lot of things and having a lot of questions but it did make me way more invested in the Cullens than I've ever been yeah and at this point they know they're a franchise like at this point they know that they can lay stuff in you know that you're there's going to be another movie right. maybe your answers will be in the next movie everybody at this point knows everything's to be continued so it's a, a long form story rather right. than like I need everything wrapped up in this movie right which which is to the, the film's detriment as a film because I feel like it is that middle part that doesn't really accomplish anything it is sort of treading water it develops i think edward a lot and it does further the love triangle between her jacob and edward but i do think as far as a plot goes and i've said it before this is a series kind of light on plot anyway so why is there a plot other than their love story uh, but there's not a lot of that moving forward. There's not a lot of anything to move forward in that regard. So they're not moving that forward. Uh, so this is sort of like a treading water uh, installment of the series. But it is good because I do like being able to see more of these people, more of these characters. They are interesting the more you look into them. Because I thought that the Cullens were super bland before. I yeah. thought that, oh, okay, they're vampires, but they're nice. The end. I thought they were all like Alice. Which I like Alice, but I think I just like that actress. So... I'm drawn to Alice. Again, she gets most of the screen time anyway, but she's just a sweet, likable character, which is the opposite of how you normally see vampire characters. They're usually more in the Dakota Fanning territory where she is, you know, mean and dark and whatnot. Sullen and stoic. Exactly. So it was cool to see the Cullens developed a little bit. I thought that was great. Uh, Speaking about treading water, though, I will mention one neat thing that I really enjoyed. Uh, It's only a brief shot, and it's in the trailer, so unfortunately it was not more than what was in the trailer, but the scene of the vampires climbing out of the water on their way to Forks. Oh, yeah. Where they just walk, obviously they walked the bottom of the lake uh, and just come out. That was a really neat shot. I felt like it could have been cooler i think they could have been they could have done more with it yeah or that would have been cool if that was where they were all fighting and that's how they showed up yeah because i feel like the idea is really cool and i i like the the sort of intention behind it but i felt like oh this i when i watched it i was like oh this could have been really cool and maybe also now i've seen like pirates of the caribbean where they're all walking along the ocean floor and also have you seen the film land of the dead george a romero's land of the dead no uh, it's it has a scene very similar to that where zombies start to learn. There's uh, one zombie who learns how to fire a gun, and he also learns how to communicate with his fellow zombies. So he leads a zombie rebellion against the final human settlement uh, oh. run by Dennis Hopper. Oh, it's awesome. like a city. I forget what the city's called, but it's very his part is very very reminiscent to what will most definitely be an episode coming up very soon of King Koopa from Super Mario Bros, <laughs> the Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo movie. And I think John Leguizamo may have been in Land of the Dead. Oh my. Uh, well, now which, I really want to see it. That might have to be a movie that we revisit on the show because I remember seeing it in the theaters and I thought it was a uh, pretty hilarious and kind of cool neat movie uh it's not like the best movie in the world but let's see yep john leguizamo baby he's the star he's the top build even over dennis hopper himself but it's a king koopa and luigi mario face to face maybe we'll have to do a double feature then oh snap oh man i just got so excited for that (laughs) oh man let's get through these next two twilight movies so we can get to that that's awesome that's going to be a good time. I love Super Mario Bros. Can't wait to talk about it in the future. And I just realized that's as excited as I've been the entire <laughs> the entire Twilight series. So what's great about the Twilight series is it led us to this discussion about Super Mario Bros. Yeah. 
It led me to think about Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo, which got me to that. Yes. But no, this this movie uh, did have a lot of cool stuff in it, I think. Oh, man. How are we forgetting one of the biggest aspects of this entire uh, movie? What's that? We're talking about wigs, man. (laughs) We are talking about hilariously bad wigs. The line on her wig. Yeah. So Kristen Stewart, between the last movie, New Moon, and this one, cut her hair short to play Joan Jett in The Runaways. Guess what? Bella Swan don't have short hair, so they put a long-ass wig on her, and it goes... I mean, it goes back and forth. There are a couple scenes where it's okay. They cover her head with a toboggan a lot of the time, (laughs) which makes sense because they're outside. It's cold. It makes sense. But man, oh, man, is that a bad wig? And Bryce Dallas Howard, who has a beautiful mane of red hair... I think she wore a wig, too. It wasn't red enough, man. It wasn't what, brave I red. Get, yeah, I guess not. And it wasn't super curly, also, because I think she may have straight hair. Yeah. But, man, that wig. That was some kind of wig, man. Yeah. And, obviously, Alice wears a wig every yeah. movie. In fact, I think all the Cullens have some sort of hair piece. Because I would I think, not be surprised if that were true. I know Alice wears a wig in every movie. Russ, Shakira. Shakira. Definitely looks like it. I don't know about Esme. Tom. Uh, Tom, definitely. The the Jasper, like, curly hair. That guy's yeah. got... That guy looks nothing like he does in the, these movies. If you look at his IMDb, like, I would not recognize really? him at all. Yeah, it was weird because I looked him up and I was like, is this the right guy? Well, like, I was listening to him in this movie and I was like, is this the same vampire? Because suddenly he's from the South, y'all. Yeah, suddenly he's like, oh, hey, baby, let's... I, for- I didn't know my backstory before, y'all. <laughs> so now I do. I'm going to have myself, myself a Texas accent. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, wigs all over the place in yeah. this movie. I thought it was... I mean, I, I think that anytime I can see a very obvious wig, I enjoy it. I don't know why I get joy out of that. <laughs> okay. But it's just a funny thing. Thing. Even in like uh, the Disney or the California Adventure ride, uh, Disneyland's California Adventure, uh, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Oh, okay. uh, her hair is for all the underwater scenes. Ariel, the animatronic of Ariel, her uh-huh. hair is made of plastic in all the underwater scenes. However, when she gets to dry land and she has her legs and they're doing the kiss the girl scene, it is a wig not unlike Bryce Dallas Howard's wig <laughs> in this movie. And every time I pointed out to Lindsay and definitely make comment on the wig. We actually say a line from the uh, the original Honey Boo Boo show, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, uh-huh. where they went to a store called, shh, it's a wig. And so they went to the store to buy wigs for her to go do pageantry. What? So it's a store, I don't know where they're from, I know they're from Georgia somewhere, but maybe it was a store in Atlanta oh, boy. called, shh, it's a wig. Which I think is the funniest name of a store I've ever heard in my life. I've never heard that before. So anytime that we see a wig, had Lindsay been there for any of the initial wig discoveries in this, because she kind of came in late into the movie, I would have definitely turned to her and said, shh, it's a wig. Because that's fucking funny. <laughs> but anyway, Bryce Dallas Howard's hair looks incredible. I still don't exactly know why, other than star power, like why the hell did she do this movie? She didn't do the first one because the part was too small. Rachel uh-huh. Lefebvre... She did this. She did the first two movies, and I think she found out by like facts or something that she didn't. She wasn't going to be in this one by she, facts. I, I'm just saying by facts because that's extra insulting. Or by text, <laughs> the studio texted her like, "Hey, girl, it's she over." She had to go actually buy a fax machine <laughs> just, so, she, just so she could. The find studio out she was asked, fired. requested that she buy a fax machine. <laughs> uh, I just remember. I think it's. Jason Newstead of Metallica got fired by fax or something like that, I oh, think. That's rough. Uh, yeah, it is pretty rough. That's metal. Well, that's actually the least metal thing I could think of. So Rachel Lefebvre 
got cut from this. She was working on another movie, but as far as I know, she was still planning to come back. Spoiler alert, it is Victoria's last appearance in the series, I'm imagining, because she's about dead as hell by the end. That was one of my favorite if actually it's probably my favorite death of this series was bryce ellis howard getting her neck bit off yeah edward bit her on the neck and tore her head off with yeah. his mouth i don't exactly know the, how the mechanics of that work i have no idea but it was pretty cool there were actually one or two really neat deaths because we're cutting back and forth between the snowy mountaintop with edward fighting both uh riley and victoria and we're cutting back and forth between that and the big battle on the ground with the werewolves and the vampires so we had you know again we were ending the movie on a big vampire fisticuff scene Mm -hmm. and we had a couple of cool moves like i remember there was one where carlisle grabbed a guy and like bent him over his knee and then esme came in with like a macho man elbow drop and like elbow dropped a guy's head off there's some cool like double team moves because the action in these movies generally is not handled well but i thought the fight between victoria and Edward on the mountaintop. Once Riley was taken care of, because Seth, the little werewolf kid, Boo Boo Stewart, aka <laughs> Thunderbird, boy. aka Warpath, he took care of Riley and dragged him off. And then we we're down to Victoria and Edward. And it was actually like emotional. And she had a reason to want to kill Edward. And we yeah. actually knew who these people were. So I felt like that actually played into it being a good fight. Like, like in the last in the last movie, it just ended with Edward fighting random giant version giant sides benedict cumberbatch and nobody knows who that guy is we barely saw edward during the movie we don't know where his head's at so here bell is right there with them he's trying to protect her it's like oh well this felt like it had purpose there wasn't it was pretty short a pretty short fight but it was the most well done action i've seen in these movies absolutely i also got speaking of emotion i i finally got really why she wanted to exact this revenge because i know sort of theoretically why she wanted to exact revenge she loved james and she was but she's been so kind of absent for so long yeah and she's been this looming threat that i haven't felt has been very dangerous for the yeah, past couple because movies. They, they run her off every time yeah. even early in this movie the werewolves run her off again yeah. and she was about to run off again until edward is like not going to get this chance again and he starts explaining basically her motivation yeah he starts saying because you know that I ripped him limb from limb and you know all this stuff and he goes into really graphic detail I burned him to ash I bur- I turned him into nothing yeah. another good acting moment with Robert Pattinson I thought and I think a great acting moment with Bryce Dallas Howard yeah. as it's all registering with her and she's like freaking out and her face is getting all crazy yeah. and she's about to charge at him and she screams and stuff but that was the first time character wise where I was like oh yeah I see the passion that's been driving her this whole time and I'm finally afraid of her that was yeah. the very first time where all these movies where I've been like, oh, this is a real threat, this lady. And the only the only thing I will say, the only knock on that scene, I do think it's a good fight, but the only knock on it is that I never truly felt Bella was in that much danger mm. because Edward and Seth, like if, if Seth, the werewolf, had been taken out earlier or he was not quite so ever-present during that scene or if Victoria was a little bit more hands-on and in their face, I feel like yeah. I would have felt that threat a little bit more. And I think I could have... I would have liked that more because ultimately they are about to kill Edward. We saw the flashback earlier with the native American woman sacrificing herself and, and stabbing herself to distract the vampires, a story which Bella heard. So she cuts herself to distract the vampires, which was nice. You know, I thought that was set up some payoffs, which we don't honestly see a lot in these movies. Yeah. So that was good. But besides that, yeah, I never just, I never felt the the true threat of that. Cause also they're, you know, they're going to kill Edward. Or we were led to believe that they're going to kill Edward. 
in, in addition to the filmmakers and the actors knowing that this is a to-be-continued scenario, we also, as an audience, know there are two more movies that are sure. coming out, so we know that Edward's not going to die. I didn't know if Victoria was going to make it through the movie. I do wish late Rachel Lefebvre, even though I think she's not as strong of an actress as Bryce Dallas Howard, I do wish that she would have made it through and seen it to the end so we could have felt maybe more of the... Intensity, stuff, yeah, yeah, like we would have been more connected to her because because we don't see Bryce Dallas Howard as the character all that much in this movie. She only has a couple of scenes. Yeah, she's barely in it. Yeah, until because the end. most of it is Riley making this vampire army by himself. She's not present for it because yeah. again, we're being misled to believe that he's either doing this on his own volition or we are we are questioning who's behind all this. And I it worked on me because I was like, why are the Volturi doing this? I thought yeah. they were behind it, but that's neither here nor there. So we don't get a lot of connection to Bryce Dallas Howard, but she does what she can with it, except for the very funny part where uh, where he oh. is saying, come yeah. help me, come help me. Like, you're going to stick with me forever, right? And I think Edward or, or Bella calls him out, like, you're not going to stay with him. I know you're not. And, like, her eyes dart around like, uh, what are you talking about? Face ever. <laughs> yeah, she has, it's like, girl, you have a tell. And it is very obvious, but that was kind of funny. And her eyes go wide as saucers, yeah. and she's like, uh, uh, "No, yeah, totally, we're together." It was like David Spade off camera was like, "Yeah, can we get it bigger? No, 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 bigger. No, keep going, bigger, biggest you can get." And then Chris Farley came in and showed her how to do it, and she was like, <laughs> "Oh, I got it." Yeah, Chris Farley's reanimated corpse. Um, that's sad. That's sad for me to make a joke about. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't. I don't like that. I don't forgive you. Oh, well, I don't blame you. I forgive you now. Oh, thanks, man. You're kind of like Victoria, just going back and forth, saying, I'm going to stick with you forever. And then literally two seconds later, he, her her bow is being dragged away by a werewolf to his imminent demise, and she just lets it happen. Hey, man, there's some Bella blood around the corner. She was about to run away. That was the point where she was about to turn her back. When she, once she saw Riley get taken away, she was like, all right, well, that's that. Bye, everybody. Oh, yeah. I'm going to continue to run around the woods aimlessly for a couple more movies, but Edward... Shoot my bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah uh have my brothers turn into bears yeah isn't that what happens in that movie Speak i actually Scottish. haven't seen that movie what i know well here's why it's great okay so do we want to just lay out why this movie's great everybody wait brave or this one either could you tell me why brave is great um bryce dallas howard is in it she is not in it oh i'm afraid her life model is in it that's her life model decoy yeah are we talking about marvel again why not i could talk about marvel all day man so we're going to talk about why the twilight saga eclipse twilight twilight comma saga colon, colon eclipse, eclipse exclamation uh point. dash dash Wig Pocalypse <laughs> is great. Part two. Uh, I really think, uh, again, we've we've kind of covered everything, but just to sum things up, yeah, the extra perspective on the various members of the Cullen family uh-huh. was cool. Uh, much deserved and much needed uh, look inside these characters' minds because we really, they're very inscrutable characters otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so that's great, including Edward. I, I really liked yes. all the dimension that they added to Edward uh, and how that played into... The love triangle, which became a little bit more rocky uh, for me, where it was uh, definitely a lot more even now because Jacob yeah. was such a dick for the in- for the entirety of the movie. And on top of that, just as an actor, that sort of vibe doesn't really work for Taylor Lautner. So there was that. I wish that the movie did not have a giant plotline about an army of vampires coming after Bella and having to prepare for it and having to train to fight young vampires and all that stuff because again all i want from these movies i don't know why they have to get so seeped in fantasy all i want from these movies is just more edward bella and 
Jacob. Uh, Jacob. I just want more of that scene with Edward and Jacob getting a chance to talk to sort of bro down and discuss their feelings about Bella outside of her just being an object to protect. I really want more of that stuff. I know that sounds weird that I, I'm, I'm the guy railing against vampire and werewolf battles. Yeah. But that's not what this movie is. It's supposed to be a romance story between these, sure, supernatural guys. Sure. But it's a romance at its heart, and I'd like to see that more. I'd like to see more of Bella's dad. I still think all yeah. of his scenes are good. He's yeah. There's not a lot of dimension. If we're talking about dimension, there's not a lot to Charlie, mm-hmm. her dad. But he is so solid. He's such a good presence in these movies that I'm glad that he got some some decent screen time. There was that awkward scene where he tries to have the birds and the bees talk with Bella and about protection, uh-huh. which I thought that Billy Burke handled pretty well. Uh-huh. And that, that was actually one of the few scenes where I chuckled at anything that Bella did because she's a pretty humorless character. Uh-huh. But I thought that was kind of funny that her reaction to everything just being really grossed out and her announcing that she's a virgin. Uh, and then that endearing Edward to her father was kind of a funny resolution to the scene. A nice little button. Now, the fact that it was right smack dab in the middle of giant impending uh, vampire apocalypse was yeah, weird placement. It was, weird. it was really weird placement. And and again, every time the movie took a minute to breathe, it was only ever about Bella asking somebody about the validity of marriage. Right. Because she's before they get into the sex thing, they she asked her dad why you know why did you, when why did you never remarry? Do you think that marriage is valid? Do you think it's worth it? Yeah. And he says, well, of course, later in life, you know, yeah. of course it is. But he didn't add anything to it, really. I think at that point, in the next scene, she chooses to marry Edward. And maybe her the dad... The next scene is the scene where she's like, have sex with me. Yeah. Because yeah. she's like, don't worry, I'm a virgin. And then the next, very next scene, she's like, Which I thought was Edward, a little I jarring. want you. Yeah, a little jarring. Not only did she say, I'm a virgin, then immediately go to have sex. He didn't give her any kind of real conclusive yay or nay evidence on whether or not marriage is worth it. He says, yeah, it's something I I hope you do. And uh, it can work for some people. It obviously worked for your mom the second time, but maybe it's just not for everybody, was how he left it with her. And then in the next scene, not only does she go against her, I'm a virgin, by trying to force Edward to be with her, but also she then immediately gives in and says, sure, I'll marry you, after he presents her with a weird-looking but cool ring. It's different from your traditional solitaire diamond. Yeah, he's from a different he era. Said, he said it was his mother's, which oh, that's the he? first we've heard of him having like real parents. I'm assuming it's not Esme's uh, that he took. Well, maybe it is. Who, Who knows? Because he was on his deathbed. I mean, I, I don't yeah, know. He was he 17. There, he may, you know, may have been. I forget what era he's from at this point. but No, but I mean, just in terms of having it. I mean, it's easily explainable either way in terms right. of how he has that ring. But He could have snuck in and stole it from her after being turned into a vampire. Who knows? He may have killed his own mother. You never know. She may have already been dead. He may have kept it on him, on himself. Maybe we'll find out in the next movie. Maybe we'll get some Edward flashbacks and get to find out some, some hot secrets. Maybe. You had mentioned the movie is not about, like, the battles and about the vampire and werewolf destruction and etc., and that reminded me that each of these movies is based on, or not based on, but inspired by a different book that Stephanie Meyer has read. Uh, and this one was Wuthering Heights. Well, the previous the f- one, as you may have picked up from all of the clues throughout oh, right. the movie, was Romeo, was and, Romeo Juliet. and Juliet. And which, what about Twilight? What was Twilight? Uh, so the first one was inspired by Pride and Prejudice. Oh. Uh, the second one, as we said, was Romeo and Juliet. Uh, this one was Wuthering Heights, and the next movie is 
Merchant of Venice and Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Well, spoiler. Jesus. Now I know exactly what's going to happen in the next one. She She's a fan of Shakespeare, for sure. That's Stephanie Meyer. It's very obvious based on that second movie. You know, uh, I wonder if all these uh, all these different quotes that she's spitting out in each movie are from their various inspirations. I don't know. I've recognized, I can't remember now which movie it was, but I recognized some of what she was saying from one of the movies, and now I can't remember. These violent what... delights bring violent ends. What's that from? I actually don't know. That is from Westworld. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> she, much like we do with our Spotify money, which, by the way, everybody, just to be clear, there's no money to be made on Spotify. We went on a whole run in the last episode about all of our Spotify money. There's no money to be made. That's just the truth of it. But regardless, we're going to stick with this joke and say that we have a time machine. She also got Spotify money, got a time machine, went into the future to watch Westworld Uh on HBO, and then went back to 2009 to say that line. Yes? Yes. Is that what we're assuming? I think that's what happened. Oh, Violin Ends, Delights, Romeo and Juliet. Ah, well, yeah. that makes sense. It fits, it fits so, perfectly. So I guarantee you that the quote that I but sort she of got butchered it, earlier, but she got it from it's probably from Wuthering Heights. She she got it from Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann movie. <laughs> oh, right, with Leo and Kate. Uh huh. Oh, not Kate. What's her name? No, Claire. Uh, Claire Danes. Claire yeah. Danes. And um, and also music from Prince. Right. So she was like, oh, all of these things that John and Sebastian are going to talk about on this episode, uh-huh, uh-huh. I better put into the movie. Right. She was in the middle of reading All New All Different X-Men and was like, I need to get this kid yeah. who is John Proudstar, yeah. a.k.a. Thunderbird. Yeah, not James. Him, not James. Don't get it mixed up. <laughs> James is clearly an X-Force. John is clearly in the X-Men. Okay, let's not get it mixed up. And she decided to put that in as well. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot. That there is a lot that's great about this. I do wish that it was a little bit less of a water treading edition of yeah. the of the movie. I there do were wish great moments. There's I really, a lot of great exactly. Moments. There's a lot of great stuff to pluck from this movie. Uh, and I think uh, the really the worst thing I don't even know if we've truly talked about it is Jacob taking advantage of Bella and kissing her without consent. That's well, a big issue now. Maybe it wasn't back in 2010 when this came out. But I feel like no, absolutely. I, 100% I think agree I, that really made me like. At that point, I was like, "Well, crap! I'm not Team Jacob anymore, man." Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, I guess I talked about the aftermath of it. But when he forces the kiss on her in the beginning-ish of the movie, and then she punches him and breaks her hand on his face. Which oh, that was, was actually really funny too. I, that was hilarious. That was probably Jacob's best line in the movie. <laughs> is uh, I kiss Bella, and she broke her hand punching my face yeah like that was a funny line but that whole thing where he um where he just does it and he just goes at goes for it with her and then edward bader when he finds out has to say like you can never do that without her saying you can do that like he actually teaches jacob about consent and then later in the movie when he's like oh this should have been our first kiss because they do kiss and bella says kiss me kiss me I hate the way that came about because he's like, I'm going to go kill someone. I'm going to go kill myself. I'm going to go get killed or I'm going to go kill someone. And she's just trying to keep this kid from doing something stupid. It's continuing to manipulate him and his feelings. Well, he manipulates her and then she manipulates like there's it's just tons of, as I said before, very unhealthy exchanges between these people. And again, they're teenagers. I get it. But the fact that he's like 
actually says, I'm going to go kill someone or kill myself. And she's like, kiss me, kiss me. And then he does and goes to town. Yeah. And that's when she's like, oh, actually, maybe I do love this guy. Yeah. Is after that kiss. The whole the whole set, talking about setup and payoff, the whole kiss at the beginning where he does not have her consent and then finally manipulates consent out of her at the end of yeah. it. And then she only does it so that he won't go kill someone or kill himself. Like the whole thing is just so messed Twisted. up. It's it's messy, and that's life, man. I mean, life is messy. Relationships are messy. Uh, I will say that uh, I feel like Bella and Jacob have way better chemistry, on-screen chemistry, mm-hmm. than Edward and Bella. So well, I, he's still hot. Uh, he he is like, literally, is literally and figuratively. But so I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to see where the series goes. We got two movies left, one book, and I guarantee you it's going to be a very uh, Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 where all the boring stuff goes into the first one. I won't dare say that about The Deathly Hallows Part 1 because that is my wife's favorite Harry Potter movie of all time, which boggles most people's minds. That's Hey, man, everybody's got their choice. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got their own like feelings on stuff. Yeah, man. People love the Twilights. People love the Harry Potties. Yeah. Um, what about you, chicken listeners? Tendies. The Chicken Tendies. What did you guys think of the movie? Did it eclipse all previous chapters of the series? Or should it be smashed like a porcelain doll? You can let us know. How are you going to let us know? podcast at gmail.com. That's right. That's H-W-I-G as in here's why it's great podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, your feelings. Or you can tell us at our Facebook page. Yeah, we've already we got gotten a Facebook page. way more interaction on the Facebook page than anything else. So we're really happy about that. Keep them coming, everybody. Since uh, sitting here and talking about this, I noticed that our friend Rashawn actually started <laughs> watching Twilight. Oh. Uh, so in one of our brief breaks while recording, a little peek behind the curtain there, I saw that, uh, yeah, Rashawn started watching the Twilight movies. So you know what? That's great. I feel like we're changing hearts and minds here. We're doing god's work mm-hmm. uh and uh you know where else we're doing god's work on instagram and twitter buddy hwig podcast yeah hwig podcast that's the thing that should rock in your brain you can also go to itunes you can go to spotify you can go to podbean make sure to like and subscribe and give us comments on that give us those five stars we're still waiting to get that last five star review to negate the one asshole who gave us a one star review <laughs> so get on it those listeners me. oh what was it you <laughs> ah son of a why? Why, Seb? Why? You're like, huh? I didn't like it. I thought they were... Uh, they didn't tell me why it was great. Yeah, I, I wasn't convinced on uh, why Applebee's is great. I was convinced. Man. I'm convinced. I'm hungry now. My stomach's still recovering, but I'm convinced to go again if you want to go. Oh, man. When you get that breadstick, oh, get finally. that coleslaw. <laughs> Let's go get that coleslaw, that breadstick, and come back and do ourselves a nice little episode of that. But we'll be back next week with Breaking Dawn Part 1, and we'll tell you why it's great. See you next week, everybody. I won't dare say the same thing about the Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 because my wife's favorite Harry Potter movie... Harry Potter. I love that Harry Potter. Because my... Ah. (laughs) I won't... (laughs) Ha <laughs>